Thanks for listening to WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces, where we take a deeper look at the issues and people shaping our community and our country. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston, here as always with my delightful co-host, Jeff Simmons. Hi, Jeff. How's it going? I'm doing well to steal your adjective. I feel delightful, Celeste. I spent my day traveling around the city on our subway system. Oh, well, it's funny that you mentioned that, Jeff, but I'm glad you did because today we are actually going to jump right into a topic that we know affects hundreds of thousands of people every single day. And that, of course, is the safety of our mass transit system and particularly our subways. So if you've ever ridden the trains, if you ride them all the time, if you're a New Yorker or you've just been around the city for work or for play, this affects you. And we've heard a lot about this over many years from the mayor from other public officials, community groups, the police. There has been a lot of talk about how to make our subway system safer for riders. But is it really working? And how safe do you feel when you ride the train? What does it look like out there to you? You know, and I have to admit, some of this is an age thing on my end, Celeste, as I've gotten older and I've gotten, you know, more nervous. I'm always mm-hmm. worried about breaking bones and stuff. But I, as you know, I ride the trains a lot. And over the last few years, I felt a bit uneasy, more often than usual, on crowded platforms. I mean, given the stories we've read, and we're going to talk about them today, um, but you know, that, that's been a concern. But also, I've watched people fighting on platforms, and I get very nervous for the people around them. And one thing I did notice recently while on a stalled subway underground was I happened to actually see what I thought were like there were pieces of clothing and items which made me think there were more people kind of navigating around the subways in that system underground off of the platform. And as we're going to discuss today, and as you've noted, there's been a notable and scary uptick in the number of cases of trains hitting people. And those are lots of different kinds of incidents, including people getting on the tracks. This is something that should be a concern to a number of us and a number of people, the riders, train operators, the police. And this includes falls, people who are falling off the platform or even jumping down because they dropped something, collisions and even suicides. So we are going to be talking much more about the trains and safety surrounding the trains and the entire subway system this hour with two really special guests. And luckily for all of us, both of them are willing to take your calls. But first, Jeff and I want to take just a moment to remind you, WBAI can only bring you this kind of public policy programming with your help. Please take a moment today to go to WBAI.org and do your part to support this station through the BAI Buddies program. BAI Buddies give a recurring monthly donation that help us stay on the air. Just go to WBAI.org to learn more. That's WBAI.org. And you have a special gift to offer a gift to offer our listeners who give to this station in the name of driving forces. Is that right, Jeff? Yes, we want at this show, Celeste, you and I want to be the gift that keeps giving. So there's a new show opening tomorrow night with a limited run at Queens Theater. It's going only through the, through May 7th. I'm going to hopefully, well, actually, I got my tickets today to see it on Saturday. It is called Eight Tales of Pedro and it's written by a Woodside Queens 
bass-based playwright Mark Eugene Garcia and with music by Luis de Elias. This is an original work set both in 17th century Mexico and in present day. And in this adventurous tale, the two storytellers risk everything as their lives and plots intertwine. Eight Tales of Pedro features an all- Latin cast who retell eight classic Spanish folktales exploring what it means to be Latin today while also depicting the timelessness of Spanish and Latin American culture. So what we did, we lined up four pairs of tickets for the show for you. These, these, and all we're asking for is a $50 donation. You'll get the pair of tickets. You can get a pair for a donation of just 50 bucks today. So this is what you have to do. Just go to WBAI.org. Look for the give button. Again, that is WBAI.org. Go to the give button and then ask when you do this and set up your, your donation, you want to get a pair of tickets to Eight Tales of Pedro. Thank you so much for that, Jeff. And thank you, everybody, for supporting WBAI. And now we are going to move right along to today's topic. We are talking about safer subways. Our first guest, Jose Martinez, is the transportation reporter for the nonprofit news organization, The City. He previously worked on air at New York One News, where he also hosted the weekly program In Transit. Before that, Jose covered courts for the Daily News and The Post. He began his career at the Journal News in Westchester County. Without further ado, Jose Martinez, welcome back to Driving Forces. Hi, Celeste. Hi, Jeff. Always a pleasure to share the airwaves with you. So for those who don't know about it yet, but they should, because I look at it all the time, tell us just a little bit more about the city. What does it do and what do you do for them? Well, the city.nyc, uh, the name of the publication is The City, and you can find this at thecity.nyc. It launched in uh, 2019. We began publishing daily stories in April of 2019, and it's formed by reporters made up of reporters who came from uh, all types of different news organizations. We had people from the Daily News, people from the Times, uh, people who had been at DNA Info. Uh, I came from television in New York One and previously was a, a newspaper reporter. And it was founded to be, as we call it, uh, news for New Yorkers uh, that was designed to do accountability journalism, investigative work, uh, to do enterprising stories that might have been more common in the past and are less common these days. And it's been four-plus years, and I would say it's gone well so far. We're growing. Our readership is growing. Uh, we've hired uh, a lot of really strong reporters, and the quality of the work, for me personally, is the best I've done in nearly 30 years as a reporter. So I'm awfully proud of the work that we've done and what we've built in just over four years. And, and yeah, I would encourage your listeners, if they're not familiar with this yet, to, to please become familiar with our work at thecity.nyc. Absolutely. And the reason we wanted to have you on the program uh, today and also before is and we've had you on the program a few times and it's always been uh, super interesting and super helpful. But you wrote this piece this week, which really caught my eye and I had to have you on the program here today to talk about it. You wrote about the increase since 2018 in the number of cases of trains hitting people. And it's not just a tiny increase. This is a substantial increase. So what kinds of cases are we talking about here? What kinds of numbers? And why are these numbers going up? Well, if you look at the numbers, they're not great. And what got me onto this is that last month at the MTA's board meeting, they gave a presentation and announced that 
truck trespassing, that's the number of people trespassing onto the tracks, they said that had declined uh, this most recent winter from the one last winter. So that's good, right? I had been uh, in a year ago in the city writing about that, the increase in people getting onto the tracks. Uh, tucked in among that, that good news are some not-so-good details, and, and that's what I wrote about uh, in my story the other day in the city, and that is the, the number of collisions uh, last year. There were 235 collisions between trains and people. That's the highest it's been in some time. If you go back to 2018, there were 189 incidents. Uh, in 21, there were 200. In 2022, there were 234. Uh, accompanying that, you had 88 fatalities last year. So, sure, truck trespassing incidents fell by about 30% this past winter compared to the previous one. Uh, but at the same time, you have more people coming into contact with trains, and that is uh, a serious problem that, that points to some larger issues in society and within the city and within the transit system uh, that, that aren't good. Uh, so that's what we were getting at. Also, the impact on the transit workers who experience these, what are known as 12-9s, uh, that's, that's their radio code for someone coming into contact being underneath the train. So we're trying to highlight a few different things here. Uh, number one, uh, the, the, the numbers of people coming into contact with trains. Number two, uh, the impact that it has on the workforce. Uh, it's, it's, it's very serious. And, you know, we've also reported in the past there's been a very, very significant increase in subway surfing. Uh, since 2019, the number of subway surfing incidents uh, have nearly doubled. And last year alone, there were 928 incidents of subway surfing. That's a heck of a lot more than there were uh, prior to the pandemic. And Jose, it's great to have you on. And thank you for saying heck instead of any other word, because we have a certain list of words we're not supposed to say on the air. But anyway, um, you know, um, you mentioned trespassing and subway surfing. You know, what comes to mind when you start to when you hear about trains colliding with people, you know, I often would think of the people who are jumping on the tracks uh, because they've dropped something or a suicide. How significant were those in the numbers? The number that the that, that there are a lot of different factors in play here, but a, a, a good number of them, uh, I, I believe the number was about half or voluntary. Uh, that that's the number that the MTA provided for us uh, a month ago. And that would suggest you know people stepping onto the tracks uh, because of their own volition, uh, and and that that could also uh, point to suicide. You're listening to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons, and we're talking to Jose Martinez, transportation reporter for The City. He is willing to take some of your transportation questions right now. We are talking about subway safety specifically. 212-209-2877 is the number to call. 212-209-2877 is the number to call. 
And Jose, you mentioned in your story that there are a lot of specific proposals out there, and there have been for a while, to make the trains safer when it comes to keeping people off the tracks and from getting uh, struck by a train or colliding with a train. Platform doors, barriers, front-facing cameras on the trains, track intrusion detection, thermal imaging. But from what you can tell from your research, how far away are we from actually seeing these things in meaningful amounts in our stations? Some things are get a lot of attention, such as those platform doors that are going to be tested starting next year at three stations in the subway system. However, uh, that's a pilot program that's going to be very limited, just on three platforms, uh, and the MTA has long ago determined that it's not feasible at most stations in the system uh, for a variety of reasons. Cost, of course, is one of them but engineering makes it very difficult. So they'll be tested, sure, at three doors, uh, or I'm sorry, at three platforms, but that's not something that you should expect to see uh, in in large form. Uh, That's already been ruled out uh, years ago. Uh, Then you have technologies, uh, track intrusion technology. You have these uh, things that detect when someone spills or goes onto the tracks, uh, and, and, and they alert train crews, they alert the rail control center so that train crews can react accordingly. Uh, that has been tested now in various forms for several years. The MTA has been studying this technology uh, for, for several years now, but it's still in an, somewhat of a, of a de- developmental stage. So the MTA wants to move forward on that, and they, they are. I've reported that they are, um, you know, have, have sent out requests for proposals for companies that can provide technology that can advance what they have done in the past, which was test, I believe, at two stations in lower Manhattan that would detect when someone fell onto the tracks. So that's still a ways off. But then there are other things that they are... Uh, trying to do, such as cameras uh, that um, are on front of trains so they can detect when someone can uh, is on the tracks. Uh, there are uh, some barriers that have, I believe they're being tested at two stations right now. Uh, 57th Street on the 6th Avenue line, I believe, is one of them. And that's designed to make people feel more secure in stations. They can hold on to those barriers. That's something more immediate, but again, it's just something that's being piloted at this point. Uh, there are, on the commuter railroads, uh, some, some calming lights uh, that are being tested uh, at some platforms along the railroads, uh, specifically at the Long Island Railroad, for starters, eventually going to uh, Metro North as well as to New York City Transit, the subway system, uh, to discourage people from going onto the tracks to calm their behavior. Uh, that's also in a, in, a, in a somewhat of a nascent stage. And then you have uh, video analytics is, is, is what the MTA calls it, that, that can help predict the cameras that could help predict uh, erratic and dangerous behavior that would then hopefully uh, stop that from, from going any place and specifically onto the tracks. So a lot of this is still somewhat distant, but there are some short-term uh, solutions. 
and and those are the ones that uh, you know are more more realistic. But but long term, uh, those are technological ones that are that are still a ways off. And and the union, I should point this out, Jeff, and mm-hmm. plus that Transport Workers Union Local 100 has said, uh, you know, this is this has been going on uh, for a while. The the, the the quote that they gave me in my story uh, on this recently was. Uh, that the MTA has been addressing it, quote, with the speed of a stalled local train. Um, and, and, and so in the meantime, uh, you, you continue to have people going onto the tracks. You continue to have workers um, exposed to this. You continue to have riders exposed to this. You continue to have the impact on service. It, it all adds up to a problem that, as I said earlier, points to a larger issue in society a mental health crisis, uh, the need for uh, people to get help, and you know, ultimately, what you want is a is a safe service, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 one in which people can keep moving safely, and uh, workers and riders not be exposed to what is what is truly a a, a, a horror um, when you encounter this on the tracks. You're listening to Driving Forces on WBAI New York. Our guest is Jose Martinez. He's the transportation reporter for The City, a nonprofit news organization. We're going to go to the phones, 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877. We're going to try to get to as many calls as we can, so please keep it, keep it brief and please keep it focused on transportation. Go to our first caller now, WBAI. You're on the air. What's your name and what's your question for Jose Martinez? Uh, hello, this is Cruz from Central Harlem. Sure, what's your question? My question is, um, how much of this is it that people have been um, kind of, because there's Wi-Fi underground, people are so focused on their phones and um, just pretty much think that the subway is like the street, right? Where you can just keep walking and like the car supposed to stop for you or you could go down in the subway drunk or high on whatever. Um, I have several family members that work for transit and they, you know, are constantly either trying to stop people from going into the subway mm-hmm, when there mm-hmm. is no condition to be down there. That's so, a great question. Yeah, so, I, I, I yeah. appreciate the uh, technology. I don't like the police state stuff. That's why I'm uncomfortable. But having like a sensor across the, you know, I guess the path to kind of like setting an alarm off or something kind of makes sense. Okay, yeah. no, that that makes what sense. And thank you for your call. We were gonna we're gonna let uh, Jose Martinez respond to that. Now, what do you think, Martinez? Is this an issue of people not being aware of their surroundings, uh, just being incautious? That is about fifteen percent of, according to the MTA, of what what was described as uh, track intrusion. So, about. Half uh, are unauthorized occupancy, so trespassing. About 20% was chopped up to mental illness. Accidental falls or medical emergencies uh, were, that was a figure given as about 15%. So somewhere in there, uh, Celeste, you could you could perhaps tuck that number in. And, and I should say that I, I've, I've spoken with 
sources in the in the transit world who say this does on occasion happen where technology uh, someone might not be at full attention uh, and and they're distracted and they fall onto the track so it, it, it makes up a segment of it I, I don't want to say it's huge uh, you know as I said uh, about half of those figures according to the MTA comes from people voluntarily uh, going onto the tracks when they're not authorized to be there and then another 20 percent uh, is attributed to mental illness you know i think that caller raised a very good point so let's get to the next caller you are on the line on wbai with celeste and me jeff simmons and our guest jose martinez of the city what's your name and what's your brief question for jose yes yes thank you for taking my call this diane from the bronx can you hear me yes we can Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, w- I had a question uh, regarding um, uh, people in wheelchairs. Uh, one, one day, uh, uh, there's an elevator at my station, and it will go from, uh, from the street and take you uh, up to the uh, platform. And I saw um, uh, someone in a wheelchair, and I was uh, surprised that now he was going on to the... Um, uh, look like he was about to get on the uh, train. Uh, my question is: is uh, if he's, I mean, is it possible that they could get, you know, get on the train and and actually make it? Because I was going to like like wheel him in or say, "Can I help you?" But mm-hmm. then I, I was mm-hmm. fearful that at the other end, you know, wherever he goes, he might not be able to get somebody to help him on the other end. So how far very, are they along? Very good point. Very good point. Thank you for your call, Jose. Any response on that? I know you also wrote a recent uh, story regarding ADA compliance and an MTA deal to make the subways ADA compliant. But I'm curious what your answer is about this. Uh, I'm, Jeff, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I followed there. Uh, what What I can tell you is that the MTA has been increasing its rollout of stations that are uh, fully compliant under the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990. And that by 2055, three-plus decades from now, the MTA has uh, reached a settlement in court cases that will require the transit authority to have elevators or ramps at 95% of its station. So that's coming not so soon, but it is very much in the works to get to a system that is 95% uh, accessible where people can enter stations, where people can go between platforms and mezzanines, where people can who have limited mobility or who require wheelchairs to get around will no longer have to uh, have to work around the shortage of elevators in, in the system in a system that's about a quarter, uh, 25% fully accessible under the ADA. So that's a problem that the MTA has been addressing and under this agreement, uh, which has been settled in state and federal lawsuits, will now get the transit authority, New York City Transit, to about 95% accessibility through elevators uh, or ramps and subway stations and Staten Island Railway stations as well. And Jose Martinez, we always wish we had more time. Excellent reporting here and lots to talk about. But for the moment, if people want to look you up, how can they find out more about your work or send you a news tip? A variety of ways. So the website for the city is thecity.nyc. 
Uh, I am on email at jmartinez at thecity.nyc, and I think I just opened myself up to a lot of emails. <laughs> I <laughs> hope uh, so. And on Twitter, it's, uh, my handle is at jmartinezNYC. I should also encourage uh, your listeners, uh, in addition to checking out the website, to signing up for what's known as the, the, the City, the Morning Scoop. That's our, our daily morning newsletter that rounds up all the news that, that we're publishing that day and uh, hopefully in a, in a light and bright and inviting manner uh, gets people to our website. Because, again, I'll tell you, the, the reporting is good. I'm happy that I made the jump, and uh, I think we're, we're doing a solid job on uh, the beats that we do cover. Well, we, we think so, too. We are always, always excited to have reporters on from the city. And we have had uh, uh, you many times, Ruvain Blau, Rachel Holiday-Smith, lots of people from the city. Always happy to work with you guys. Everyone check it out, thecity.nyc. Jose Martinez, thanks for joining us again. And we look forward already to having you on again in the future. Thank you, Celeste. Thank you, Jeff. Always a pleasure. And we'll do it again, I hope. Great. Have a great day, Jose. You've been listening, if you just tuned in, to Driving Forces on WBAI, New York 99.5 FM, and also streaming live at WBAI.org. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons, here with my amazing, delightful, wonderful co-host, Celeste Katz-Marston. We want to first give you, before we get to our next guest in just a moment or two, we want to first remind you that we take on issues like this because we care about New York City. We want it to be a self, safe, and healthy community. But we also... It, we care about bringing you this type of quality programming because we're not commercial. We are listener supported. And as we always say, we need your support. This station will not exist without you. That is plain and simple. WBAI will go off the air without the support of everyone who listens to us. And remember, Celeste and I and most of the people you hear on WBAI are volunteers. We work very hard to bring you the best type of programming, and we do this for New York, but we can't keep going on without the support of New York. It only takes a minute to support the kind of free speech independent radio that you can't get anywhere else. Remember, Big business does not power WBAI. You do. We count on you every single day, and we're counting on you this afternoon. So please, go to WBAI.org today, pledge your support, and stand up for free speech and free speech radio. Again, that is WBAI.org. So today, we are talking about subway safety. We just heard from Jose Martinez, transportation reporter for the city. Now, for a different take. We are joined by Lisa Dagerland, who is the Executive Director of the Permanent Citizens Advisory Committee of the MTA, or the PCAC. Lisa is an advocate for equitable transit solutions and a dedicated user of public transportation. And yes, I have known Lisa for, and she'll probably bring this up, what, I'll say 30 years maybe? She works with community and business organizations, elected officials, and advocacy and good government groups to help achieve the goal of the PCAC and its three MTA board members and councils to improve transit for riders and the region. And in a few minutes, we will again open up the phone lines so you could ask Lisa your questions. With that, Lisa Dagelin, thank you so much for joining us here on Driving Forces. Thank you, Jeff and Celeste, for having me today, uh, particularly as we talk about an issue that's so important as subway safety. So I briefly read a little about what PCAC does. Can you tell us a little more about your organization, what it does, and what you do there as the executive director? Sure. 
So PCAC was created legislatively uh, by this in, by the state in 1981 as a result of the fiscal crisis of the 70s. We have three rider councils, New York City Transit Riders Council and the Long Island Railroad and Metro North Railroad Commuter Councils. So we represent the riders and commuters throughout the, throughout the entire MTA system. We work um, with the MTA. We don't, they don't always like what we have to say, but we are the official voice of riders, uh, and we sit within the MTA, um, but we work very closely with uh, riders across the system, with our colleagues in advocacy, our elected officials, to really improve transit and ensure that riders are getting what we need from not just the MTA, but from all of those who contribute to making it work. Lisa, thanks so much for being here with us today on the program. We really appreciate you taking the time. And we uh, just a moment ago spoke to Jose Martinez. He's the transportation reporter for the city. Uh, As you know, he has written uh, extensively about some stats that he got recently regarding this problem, this uh, rising problem of trains striking people. Certainly those numbers are up dramatically since 2018. Wondering if this is the sort of thing that PCAC has talked about uh, made recommendations on? What are your sort of top-line thoughts on that particular problem? Mm-hmm. Well, first, it's it's a horrific situation. Anybody who works in transit, anybody who rides transit, anybody who's really affected in any way by being struck by a train uh, or in the system is, is really devastated. And anything we can do to either minimize or eliminate those kinds of incidents is, is what we should all be working toward. So, subways are dangerous. Uh, you know, they're they're electrified. They're giant, enormous iron beasts that weigh a tremendous amount. And people shouldn't be going down to get their phones. They shouldn't be looking in the tunnels. They shouldn't be going on the tracks for any reasons. Now, we know that, you know, there's a, an unfortunate number of people who still live in the subway system and nobody should nobody should live or feel that they need to live in the system and those numbers are coming down the cops camera care program the dedication that the governor and the mayor and the mta and um have really you know the commitment that they've made to to providing resources for mental health services for homeless services uh and for looking at some of the root causes of why half of the strikes are voluntary, including those suicides, um, to try and reduce those numbers is is admirable. But we as riders need to take responsibility and do whatever we can to make sure that we don't stand too close to the edge, that people, our friends, don't stand too close to the edge, that if, as one of your earlier callers said, know somebody might be uh, zoned out on their phone or uh, zoned out for other reasons um, doesn't think that that's just an excuse to keep wandering and miss the edge of the platform it's subway stations are dangerous environments and they need to be treated as such if you just tuned in, you're listening to WBAI New York 99.5 FM and live streamed at WBAI.org 
This is your weekly news show, Driving Forces. Our topic today is subway safety, and our guest is Lisa Dagleen, the Executive Director of the Permanent Citizens Advisory Committee to the MTA. She's willing to take a few of your calls. So once again, phone lines are open. Give us a call at 212-209-2877. That number, once again, 212-209-2877. And when we bring you on... Ask a direct question. We want to have the questions. We don't need a long story. We want to squeeze in as many as possible. So, again, that number, 212-209-2877. Lisa, there's no easy answer, but how much of cutting down on collisions is up to the MTA and law enforcement, and how much is about educating people about the dangers of getting too close to a moving train or being on the tracks at any time? No, absolutely. So, Jose talked about technology, and technology is going to be it's going to be play a big role in cutting down on collisions and enabling trains, trains, not people, not the not the operators, to see into the tunnels and to see if there's somebody or something that's on the tracks, and to stop the trains and to stop um, to stop them before they before they strike somebody, uh, and that's what we need to really work toward. Um, and that's technology that's in the works, but it, it, these things take time. Uh, education of riders is really important. More signage is important. More education is important. You know, the MTA has talked about introducing some of the, the blue lights and some of the suicide prevention work that they're doing on the Long Island Railroad and Metro North into the subway system. Uh, and some of those programs and some of the, the low-hanging fruit can be more easily and readily implemented and it should be. And then, you know, we can't just overnight build housing for everybody, unfortunately, right? But we can certainly try to make sure that everybody knows there's a place for them should they need a place to go. 212-209-2877 is the number to call. 212-209-2877. We have a number of callers holding, which is great. So hang in there for just a moment. We will try to get to as many people as we can. Our guest here on Driving Forces right now is Lisa Daglin. She is the Executive Director of the Permanent Citizens Advisory Committee to the MTA. We are going to go right to the phones. Please keep it short, and we'll give Lisa a chance to respond. WBAI, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? And what is your brief question? Uh, 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 I'm calling from Manhattan. What do you do when you see a person drop their belongings on the track and another person taking it upon himself, being very gallant, to to jump down on the off the, the platform and and, and uh, get the the stuff and and jump back up. I mean, I was horrified, you know? This was some time ago. Well, I appreciate the question. Thank you so much for your call. Lisa, this is obviously somebody who's trying to be helpful, but it's super dangerous. What what do you guys say about that at PCAC? Right. Well, it is super dangerous. And, you know, more signs that say, you drop something, leave it, go get MTA help. The fact that the, that the booth agents are now on the platforms and are more accessible is really, ter- is really good news. If you need somebody, if you need help, you can press a help point button. You can go get a booth agent. There's, there's police officers and other MTA people all over the platforms now. That's helpful. Personally, I'm, I'm a bit of a big, a big mouth, and I would say, hey, don't go down there. That's really dangerous. You can get hit by a train. So, you know, sometimes... We have to not be our – sometimes we go and we're shy. 
don't want to say something like that because, you know, we don't want to say something to strangers, but it's in their best interest and in, in ours. Lisa, you're very popular. The phone lines are lighting up. Let's get to that next call very quickly. Welcome to WBAI. You're on the air. What's your name and what's your question briefly for Lisa? Yes, hi, this is Brad. I just want to discuss how dangerous and how much weight and how much forces are going on on these trains. I did, I admit it. Some years back, I jumped on the back locomotive out in the Huntington branch of MTA on Long Island, Suffolk County, and uh, nobody was in the back locomotive. So I just was curious, and I took the ride, and I went to step off the platform right as it was at, uh, coming to a stop, and um, so I wouldn't get caught on there. And uh, my foot caught the platform, and it just kind of pulled me and dragged me a little and knocked me around and threw me on the tracks, luckily, after the train. But there's so much force going. It's not a, a heavy Harley-Davidson. It's not a car. Not things we're used to. I'm a machinist in metal shops. It's not them. It's way, way, way more powerful. I was there. I know. It banged me around like crazy. And, and it's not. It, it, we just don't belong in that equipment. We're not familiar. Well, thank you. Thank you for your call. And thank you for that. Because hopefully if someone's listening and thinking they want to do that, they've heard your story now. Lisa, anything you want to add to that? That that's, uh, um, you know, a really good tale, and I'm glad that nothing more severe happened to you. We hear these horrific stories of, you know, subway surfing and people riding between train between cars who, who fall fall you know fall down and get run over, lose an arm, lose a leg. It could have been much worse, and unfortunately, too often it is. So trains are not toys. <sighs> 212-209-2877 is the number to call. 212-209-2877. You're listening to Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. Our guest right now, Lisa Daglian, Executive Director of the Permanent Citizens Advisory Committee to the MTA, taking your calls. We're going to go back to the phones. Please keep it brief and limited to transportation. WBAI, you're on the air. Uh, where are you calling from? And what is your question for Lisa? Hello, uh, Jim from Brooklyn. What's up? Uh, I have two quick things, real quick. One of them is several years ago, maybe 15 years ago, the subways were revamped with these yellow uh, patches uh, about two feet wide going along the edge of the platform with these little bumps on them. That's, that's not a problem. The problem to me was many of those yellow stretches are slanted, I assume, for drainage when they clean the t- platform, that they slant towards the track. I could never figure that out. Isn't it worth? Isn't it worthwhile to have a wet platform than to have a, 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 the, the, the platform leading into the tracks? And I have another one, real quick after that. Okay, go ahead. The other one is a, a minor one. These announcements over the PA systems on the platforms are uh, they're modulated much too high most of the time, and you can really not make out what the people are saying. There must be some kind of a training on the amplification. And the way of speaking slowly and, and precisely on those announcements, they're almost worthless. Wow. So two great points there. Thank you so much for your call. So, Lisa, what do you think? One, about uh, the dangers of a platform edge that tilts towards the tracks and then uh, announcements in stations that are so loud you can't understand them. Sure. Well, the rumble strips the, the um, with the yellow dots and the, and the tactile warning strips are there so that you know that you're coming close to the edge of the platform. 
if you're feeling that there's a slope going down into the track bed, back up. You're too close. You're too close to the edge. Those are there um, primarily for the visually impaired, but they're also there to let people know that they're getting too close. And they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, if they need to be repaired, tell the person at your station or group station agent or report it uh, to the MTA. Um, absolutely, they're, it's better to have them than to not. Uh, in terms of the announcements, I think we've all heard places where announcements could and should be better. Uh, I hear it every day. Um, and, you know, the good news is that they're working on it. The bad news is it's still going to take time and money, uh, which is why plug for congestion pricing needs to come in to, into play so that funding for replacing uh, the electronics and the sound system and the announcements, not just in the stations but on the trains and uh, everywhere throughout the system, um, can get funded. Very good point. Let's get to that next call to squeeze them in. And Lisa, thanks for spending so much time with us today here on Driving Forces. Caller, you're on the line with uh, Celeste and, uh, and me, Jeff Simmons, and Lisa Dagling, Executive Director of the Permanent Citizens Advisory Committee to the MTA. What's your name? And briefly, what's your question for Lisa? Lisa, how come partition walls can't be built on station platforms like Tokyo, but billions of dollars can be spent on a shortcut from Grand Central to Penn Station? Okay, Lisa. Okay. Uh, sure. So the, the platform walls, platform walls are um, going to, as Jose said, there are three that are going to be tested. Not every station is good for it. We've all been to stations that are that are way too narrow. If you've ever been on the two three on Wall Street, if you put up a wall, there's no there's no room for people, uh, and some of the elevated structures can't even hold them. There's also not a shortcut between Penn Station and Grand Central. So uh, I think you're talking about the Grand Central Madison Station, which is something completely different, and that's a conversation for another day. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. I think we have time for one more call, Lisa, if you're willing. Um, we're going to sure. go back to the phones. Uh, we're going to make it quick. We're already keeping Lisa over time, so please keep it brief. Uh, WBAI, you're on the air. Where are you calling from, and what is your brief question for Lisa Daglin? Hi. Can you hear Hi. me? Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Okay, good. I'm glad you're having this show. Um, I didn't even know that this was on, and I really appreciate the both of you. And also, Lisa, my name is Ethel. I'm calling from the Bronx, and sometimes when I'm with the baby stroller, same with my daughter, it's so hard to get um, up the stairs. So we have to walk from 238th Street, which is Marie, all the way over to 233rd and vice versa. And, of course, it's not safe, especially when you're coming back. The other thing is the trains. Now I see that that's the reason for them being late because you're on your way to work and you come in and you say, oh, the trains. Nobody wants to hear that. And I remember when I was working for HRA, which is a city, they had forms that you have to fill out. And the forms basically is the number of the train and if you were going northbound or southbound, and it would be excuse. It would go from HRA to um, transit so that you can get excuse for lateness. And mm-hmm. I also would like to know how to get in touch with you because um, education for, you know, the schools, I don't know if they ever have anything like that, but maybe you or someone who represents your organization can come in and talk about the dangers of the subway surfing or going down 
because I remember maybe about two years ago, a young lady getting ready to go to college in September, she went down to get her phone, and that was over on East Tremont. And that's a dangerous one because there's a wide gap going from the platform into the train and vice versa. And no train was coming, but she fell, Mm -hmm. you know, between the tracks. And, you know, certain things, you know, even though people should know, but maybe some things should be spoken in terms of schools. Right. No, absolutely. Thank you so much for your call. That's uh, two really great points there. And Lisa, actually, since we've already taken up so much of your time, maybe that's a really good point. Where can people find out more about PCAC and the work you do? And how can they get more involved in finding out about education, uh, about making complaints? Where can we send people? Sure, absolutely. And uh, that's a great lead in. Um, So we have... uh, we're made up of volunteers. Our, our members, our council members are all volunteers. You can find out more information on our website at PCAC.org. We're on Twitter at, PC, at, at PCAC Riders. And you can send us an email at mail, M-A-I-L, at PCAC.org. Uh, and please feel free to, to reach out, follow us. If you're interested in... in uh, joining one of our councils, uh, elected officials, or those that make a recommendation to the governor's office. Um, We have several vacancies, so please feel free to go through our website um, and, you know, learn more about us. It's really important that people have transit literacy, but safety education and, and knowing how to stay safe in the system is really the most important. So I really thank you so much for having this show and for having me on. Lisa Daglian, it is great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining Celeste and me here on Driving Forces. And Jeff, I think it's only been 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, I've known Lisa since I first came to New York City. She's always served the public. She's always been involved in, 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 in really strengthening New York City through all of the work she's done. So, Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks You're so listening much. to Driving Forces here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live by WBAI.org. We just had two great guests to join us to take your questions. Jose Martinez, transportation reporter for the city, and Lisa Daglian, executive director of the Permanent Citizens Advisory Committee to the MTA. We are going to keep the phone lines open for just a little bit more. 212-209-2877 is the number to call. 212 is the number to call. Have you ever witnessed a case of a train hitting someone in or around a station? Do you feel safe in the subways? How could we cut down on the number of people being struck by trains? Somebody mentioned uh, playing around with a train earlier, one of our callers, and that's a scary situation, but I'm very glad he called in because these things do happen, and I'm glad that somebody could own up to it. Do you think that news coverage of the dangers of the subway are overblown, or would you like to see more reporting on this? Do you work for the MTA and have something to add here? 212-209-2877 is the number to call. 212-209-2877. We'll be right back.
Clash Train in Vain here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. This is Driving Forces. I'm Celeste Katz-Marston here with Jeff Simmons. We want to remind you, WBAI can only bring you great guests from the world of politics, public policy, culture, music, the arts, and much more. With your help, go ahead. Please take a moment today. Support this station by going to WBAI.org and making a pledge to the BAI Buddies program, that's WBAI.org. We're talking about subway safety this hour. The phone lines are open, 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. Want to put in a quick pitch here? You can help support independent media and get a spectacular new book. Jeff, if you want to mention, because this was really your doing, I just want to say Jeff works super hard to get us great gifts to thank you for supporting WBAI. Jeff, what do we have? Well, we've got a few things, and we've got the show tickets, but the book you mentioned is Carmageddon, How Cars Make Life Worse and What to Do About It by a gentleman we had on a few weeks ago, Daniel Knowles, a reporter with The Economist. Basically, you read this book, you're going to be like, wow, cars really dominate our lives. So if you're not buying the book, you know, if you don't want to go out to a bookstore, just donate to WBAI. You're helping us, and you can put it in that you want to get this book for only $50. We're trying to raise 200 during this show. So you can go on to WBAI.org, uh, or you can call us at 212-209-2950, which is our special donation line, and you could say you want Carmageddon, How Cars Make Life Worse, and What to Do About It, only a $50 donation. So go to WBAI.org today, become a BAI buddy if you want, where you give a sustaining contribution or give a one-time contribution of $50 and ask for the book, Carmageddon, Help Cars Make Life Worse and What to Do About It. And, you know, I remember thinking back when I was a kid and saying to myself, they would say, well, if you donate $100 to, you know, whatever station, whatever station, we'll send you this coffee mug or we'll send you this book. And I was like, why would you pay $100 for a book or a coffee mug or a tote bag? But you know what? I really had to change my way of thinking Uh, when I started uh, volunteering, volunteering here at WBAI, just as Jeff is a volunteer, we give of our time. And it's not, it's not quite right to think of it as buying a book or buying the tote bag or buying a t-shirt. We have those too, for sure. If you go on WBAI.org, it's just a thank you gift. What you're really buying is continued access to free speech independent, non-commercial media. This is not corporate radio. This is your radio station. This is a people-powered, independent, free speech radio station. WBAI has been around for more than 60 years. It is a unique presence in the New York City media scene. But we can only keep WBAI going if you step up and lend your support. We always like to remind you, it does cost us $17,000 a month to pay the rent on our broadcast tower at four times square. That is $17,000 a month, every month, just to stay on the air. That has nothing to do with the other bills we have to pay to stay on the air 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in one of the most, if not the most, expensive media cities in the world. So we're not asking for a lot. If you can give $20 a month, $20 a month, you are doing your part to preserve WBAI's unique programming on culture, art, music, women's issues, issues, gender, health, education, and much more. If you're already giving, we thank you. Please think about giving a little more. And if you're not giving, 
Now's the time to start. The situation is urgent. We need your help now. Please go to WBAI.org and join with us to keep independent media radio alive in New York City. And thank you to our guests today, transportation reporter Jose Martinez of the city and Lisa Daglian of the Permanent Citizens Advisory Committee to the MTA. Also, thanks so much to our engineer, Reggie Johnson, and thanks to our listeners. We had a good amount of calls today for our guests. We love doing that and having the guests take calls. Biggest thanks to everyone who's taking a moment today, this hour, to go to WBAI.org and become a BAI buddy in the name of this show. I will be back this Sunday morning at 8 in the morning with Carlos Menchaca, my co-host on City Watch. We have two great guests lined up. Rich Schrader, the New York Legislative and Policy Director for the NRDC, and Lucy Sexton, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Culture and Arts, who's going to tell us what she thinks of the mayor's new budget plan, something you're definitely going to want to hear about this Sunday morning, 8 o'clock. And by the way, next week, tune in. We have U.S. Congressman Dan Goldman joining us here on the show. If you missed any part of today's program, you can hear it in full by subscribing to Driving Forces via Apple, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This has been Driving Forces with Celeste Katz, Marston, and Jeff Simmons. Now, stay tuned to WBAI for more great programming. See you on the radio.